um, programs are fine and institution like institutions are good, but I feel like millennials um, craved it, Gen Z's craving it, just authenticity. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. Well, hello, One Cry Podcast family, and uh, my name is Byron Paulus, and I've uh, met many of you via this podcast, and some of the rest of you perhaps not, but I'm so blessed to be the founder and uh, just very actively engage in a movement we call One Cry, which is really just crying out to the Lord for a display of His glory in our lifetime, and uh, believing God that through learning about His ways historically, biblically, in revival, uh, but also experientially, where God has touched down. And to glean from that your ways and your truth as it relates to what you can do. And once again, ultimately, we believe it's a spiritual awakening in our nation that would have global impact. And so I'm blessed to be able to interview today a new friend, uh, but somebody I have grown to uh, love and appreciate and respect. Uh, there are just times, and you all would know that, that there are times that uh, you meet people and you just say, God, you are so good. You are so full of mercy. You are so full of grace in the way you touch individuals' lives. Mm -hmm. So today I want you to meet my new friend, Brady Casper. Hi, Brady. Hey, guys. So good to have you on the podcast. And I, I cannot wait as we sat down at a pizza place not too long ago and I heard your story. <laughs> It is so unusual and such a picture of only what God can do that I can't wait for our podcast family today to hear uh, the God at work in your life. And we'll probably break this up into two different podcasts. And uh, the, so the first, Brady, uh, I just would love, a lot of these listeners are pastors and uh, they're listening to the audio most likely and they are uh, in their car or exercising, or they just have such a passion for revival. This is just a dedicated time uh, for them to listen. Uh, but you shared with me how you came to Christ, uh, when it was, but and also about just kind of those early days or weeks or months. And so can we begin there today? And by the way, you're from Kentucky. Yep. You're from Lexington today. Yeah, from Lexington today. Grew up in Louisville and then born in Cleveland, but I usually don't mention that in some okay, context. We won't tell our Cleveland listeners that you don't <laughs> normally mention that. But uh, also, you're, uh, you've are you graduated from UK, which we're going to hear about, and currently in seminary, I think at Southern. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just trying to grow and learn. And and I think too, I'm, I don't want to tell your story, but I think you said you live about 12 miles from a, the metropolis of Wilmore, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Population yeah. 2,500. That's great. Tell us your story, where, where God found you and what he did. Uh, I came to know the Lord in college. Before that, I my prayer walking to college was I wanted to have a lot of girlfriends and join a fraternity. And I think C.S. Lewis book in the Don Shredder, there was a scene where they got to this dark place and all their wishes came true. And they thought at first this was an amazing thing. And the guy warned them that's been there a while. All your wishes come true, even the bad ones. So everything that I prayed for, everything that I longed for in my flesh was somewhat answered. 
And I had community that put me on a direction that was not great for me. And I went pretty far into drinking. I had a lot of relationships um, that were just lying and manipulating to where I was just trying to feel appeased and loved and manipulated friends, lied and just put on a facade and a mask that eventually just became my personality to where no one actually knew me. And it got to a point on my birthday after a lot of stuff was happening. So this is in late November. I felt so burdened by my sin based on one girl that I was in a relationship with. She gave me a card that she wrote in crayon. Some people might think that's very little effort. I thought it was really sweet, but I was cheating on her and I opened up the card and it said, you're the best person I ever met. And I instantly thought, huh, I am a monster. I have done all these things to her and lied to her pretty much our entire relationship. I've lied to just contemplating everything going on. And I thought what might be best is for me just to leave a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. I was depressed and anxious, but for that week, ripped up the card, blocked everyone on my phone, and I didn't talk to anybody for a week. And how old now at this time? And you were in school? Yeah, I was a freshman in college. Okay. So I was cool. just turned 19 and literally on my 19th birthday was one of the worst days of my life. Felt convicted of sin, didn't talk to anybody. And about a week later, I am somewhat of an extrovert and that was terrible and difficult. But I prayed to the Lord. I was walking around campus just because I didn't hang out with anybody during that week and couldn't talk to anybody because I thought I'd ruin their lives. I was walking around and saw this baseball field that was being constructed on Alumni Road. And I was just praying. It was 2 a.m. It was cold on December 7th and just asked the Lord help, not thinking much of it. And about 10 hours later, two cheerleaders named Taylor and Kennedy Bricky asked if I wanted to go to this event at a local campus ministry. And I thought, these are the first people that have talked to me in a week. Sure. I would have said yes to almost anything. And they, I went to it. It was the first room I was in where there wasn't uh, smoke coming from a cigarette, a cigar, or a vape. And it was the first room I was in that there wasn't drinking. And I'm including classes in that statement. Uh, I legitimately was like, huh, there's just this nostalgia of my upbringing. And for about two months, the Lord really just convicted me, but at the same time was had a hard heart and was running from him. And kept on pushing away friendship and family to where the Lord really just, yeah, opened up a weekend that I was going to go on a ski trip, which two answers of prayer. Um, I can't ski, never gone skiing. And it was on a diamondback probably would have broke my bones. Uh, and it was towards this winter retreat. I went on this winter retreat. No one said anything special to my knowledge. It was just, I think we've talked about this that second Corinthians three, three lifestyle of being a walking epistle and a living letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. And the Lord just softened my heart was crying for, I have no idea how long in that moment, just on my knees. And I, on the way back. So this is in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, where I became a believer on this weekend trip during a winter retreat at CSF, which is a local campus ministry at UK was mm -hmm. driving back and the University of Kentucky in Lexington, 
on the border, our car broke down and we were praying for an answer. And somebody that was in the car with me saw somebody they recognized, got in the trunk of their car. I had my Bible from, I went to Catholic school for high school. I had my Bible in my hand, was reading through, I read a little bit of Maccabees, then I skipped over, which is an apocrypha book for people that don't know. Uh, then I started reading the Gospel of Matthew. I read all of that. Then I eventually uh, saw the light in many ways, but physically they opened the trunk. I got out um, and was walking back to campus and thinking, okay, hopefully this is not just an emotional high. Walked in, saw two guys in the laundry room fighting. They were drunk and broke up the fight. Was talking to one of them named Brian and we talked for, gosh, I, I want to make sure. Super Bowl Sunday, the Eagles were playing the Patriots. We probably talked for 12 hours. So I think we talked mm. from 6 p.m. to wow. 6 a.m. Wow. And the Lord just, at the end of it, didn't have anything convincing to say. I just told him about what happened the past 24 hours. Mm. The There's things that were going on in his life to where he wanted to take his life, was in relationships that were going bad in specific yeah, situations and the Lord just, yeah, softened his heart and wrecked him in that moment saying, I want what you have. I thought, I don't even know what I have fully. <laughs> so I have this guy that is a day younger than the Lord. And we just started talking and I guess I wouldn't even say discipling him, but it was a relationship where I had to read constantly and learn just one new thing. to tell him That's Right. I love and, uh, about over the course of the next two weeks, there were sorority girls falling in love with Jesus in my dorm and a guy like I think one of the guys, cocaine dealers came to Christ. RAs were falling in love with Jesus. And within two weeks, I think 12 people in my dorm uh, were just madly in love with Christ, following him and wow. trying to see transformation. Wow. And that's relatively my story of conversions. So early weeks thereafter or months you shared with me as we were sitting there in a the pizza place, something I still can't. I can't wrap my arms around, I guess, and mine, but uh, uh, you got exposed to the whole idea of the Great Awakenings pretty early in mm -hmm. your walk with Christ. Yeah, share with me a little bit, or us again, uh, yeah, what that looked like. About a year in, the Lord really burdened me uh, for my campus, that he is not getting glory from campus, that there are people that are lost. And I was praying and one day I physically felt terrible and I couldn't sleep, couldn't get out of, I could get out of bed, but I couldn't walk far. couldn't really do anything except just kneel against my bed with my Bible. And I was praying to the Lord during the nights, try to go to classes during the day. And people just kept on coming up to me during this time. Uh, and somebody mentioned the first or the second day I couldn't sleep about George Whitfield. I'm like, who's George Whitfield? And he was explaining just the movement of God of one third, I could be wrong, people can fact check me after this, one third of America saw him in person at the time in the colonies. It's like, that's awesome. And John Wesley, I grew up in the Methodist church. I actually didn't know who John Wesley is. It's really sad um, on my part. And found out who John Wesley was, Charles Wesley, the prayer movement in Hernhut that lasted a hundred years plus and was going through all of this and i'm like okay lord what is like i'm keep on hearing this word revival 
and really just sense that word of awakening and didn't hear about that point or even that word at any point in my life before that outside of medical terms or uh, as I said to you, a Call of Duty video game. And I was praying and asking the Lord, what can I pray over campus in like mind with this awakening work that you've done so many times in the past from Pentecost to now? And it was Psalm 85, 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And I just clung to that verse and really just prayed to the Lord uh, that verse for that campus, but was very influenced by all of the movements of God previously and have been stewarded by the great awakenings. And you began reading, uh, yeah, you began reading Raven Hill, I think you told me at some point there. Yeah, somebody somebody sent me, uh, what, what is your life? And a sermon of his, I listened to that. I think I got three minutes in and I had to pause. I was driving and I almost wrecked the car because I was crying so much. And then I listened to it when I got home and yeah, devoured anything Ravenhill has. He, uh, he has a quote that sticks with me. Um, the reason we don't have revival is because we're content without it. Yeah. And I, even last night, that quote haunted me of how am I living a life where yeah, I'm content with the American dream or normative Christianity or just even the basics of life. Uh, somebody quoted him in that in that same vein, willing to live without it. Yeah. And, uh, we're willing, content, willing to live without it. We will. Wow. And God has just uh, given you a passion for prayer, for revival, and... Uh, I would like to uh, maybe transition here and uh, talk to us about how God has just directed your steps, burdened your heart, given you vision, and then uh, the grace and strength to follow through. Uh, yeah, to praying for students just like you were your freshman year uh, that you longed to see to come to Christ and for a great movement on our campuses. So uh, that deals with UK, I think, is where it kind of begins. Uh, so I just want our podcast family to really pause for a moment here and quiet your heart and your mind and ask yourself the question, what does God want me to do in launching into faith to be able to uh, be a voice, uh, to be a person that is a catalyst uh, for a movement on campus. So mm -hmm. as you share, I, I do hope freshly in my own heart is when we sat down together, I left there, honestly, Brady, just saying, Lord, uh, I want to spend the rest of my life uh, very intentional about believing you um, by faith to open the doors supernaturally mm -hmm. to be able to proclaim the hope and the vision for another movement of God. And that's that's what God did. He, he gave you faith. And what did that look like as he now has you at a place of hunger and thirst, but then not just inwardly, but looking outwardly to others? So the concepts when I was at UK, just making sure that's what you're asking for. Yeah, it is. Yep. So my junior year, so I was a believer for about a year and a half. During that week, the Lord burdened me. I was talking about earlier of revival and awakening. And 
about during that week, week and a half, um, where I was going through that physical ailment, there were two suicides within one dorm. And a lot of people were confessing that were women specifically that went through um, just being assaulted. And I was realizing the depravity of campus, but also just the brokenness and the need for Jesus. And uh, the last day I heard one of the stories of awakening and revival was in the 1970s. There is a woman named Janine uh, that felt burdened to pray in the midst of 1970s on Wilmore's campus or Asbury's campus in Wilmore, Kentucky, that at the Woodstock just happened. Vietnam was at its height and all of campus life was a reflection of culture. She was praying for every single student by name. And I heard this story of a woman that really just championed prayer, specific prayer and intention and seeing holiness groups move out of that, but also the 1970s movement that was at the same time alongside the Jesus movement to where Asbury, there's, oh, there's quotes from that movement when it happened. It was, uh, it was as time stood still in reference to people forgot to eat and sleep during those six or seven days. And people were sent out to over a hundred campuses and people on the drives. I remember uh, hearing stories of people praying for their family members in the car. Obviously cell phones didn't exist or even car phones at that point. And people were praying. And by the time they got home, their family members came to know Jesus just on the car ride. And I love that. And in the moment, my physical ailment, when I heard those stories from this um, woman named Jessica, shared it with me that morning, my physical ailment went away immediately. I thought, huh, I feel great. Also, this might mean something. Yeah. And I was like, I want to do, I want to see that happen at UK. And in my pride, I, after taking a long nap, because at that point I was sleep deprived for a week, uh, I called the old, yeah, one of the board members, he's a former attorney general in Kentucky. And I said, hey, what are the chances that I can get every single student's name just to pray for? And he said 2% chance. And this is a cultural reference for whoever saw Dumb and Dumber, uh, the movie. And my response was, so you're saying there is a chance. And he laughed and then still said, it's very unlikely. I'm like, okay, I could deal with that. Serve a God of impossibilities. So I asked, um, he gave me the email, yeah, the email of Eli Capaluto, which is the president of the University of Kentucky, emailed him, got in contact with him and his, uh, his assistant, then talked to some of the board members in the law office about what it looks like to pray for every single student by name. And at that time, it was meant to be sent out to other people, but still thinking it was only a few people needed. And how many students enrolled at that point? Uh, I actually, at, the, at that point, I had no idea. I was expecting like, oh, it's only, I lowballed it really, really bad. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's only a few thousand. Yeah, um, right. I obviously knew that was not the case, but I was expecting to do it all on my own with a few people. They sent me the list on an Excel sheet a few days after. Very shocked that I got it. Scrolled down. It was 28,325. Wow. And I, so I, 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 I can't pray for these people intentionally. <laughs> the Lord, uh, with a few other people that I was living with, on an apartment, I put up the all the names as wallpaper, and I love it. Uh, was praying, but felt also led to disperse the information among congregations and 
fellow campus ministries. So in that, I think we had two weeks because we were trying to start it at Lent with a few people I was praying with. So we had a few weeks to, or yeah, I think 16 days to do everything, uh, to get everyone prayed for and like signed up to pray for 33 names. And it was, <laughs> it took for, uh, it was, it was a lot of answered prayer. The Lord over a thousand people signed up. Everyone got prayed for, um, most of it was the last two days and it was very sweet to where the movement of God, um, A.T. Pearson was just praying to this. Uh, there hasn't been a movement of God without united prayer. And it did seem like a lot of congregations and a lot of campus ministries and a lot of people around the city wanted to pray for the University of Kentucky and its students. And the day it started, pretty sure was the day COVID shut down UK and was very deterred, like, Lord, you're omniscient. You know everything. Why? Uh, and I got, yeah, heard about a lot of darkness going on in students. It's like they're being prayed for. That's great. And their families, but at the same time, like seriously, why? And I got back to the university of Kentucky, uh, that fall for 20, yeah, 2020 in the fall. And the first day, I think I told you like hundreds of people, just a fresh, like hungry and thirsty in a new way for Jesus mm. to where campus ministries grew and insane, like insane proportions like i think our local crew jumped from 20 people to 400 which wow. yeah um csf and the 26 25 other campus ministries at uk yeah. grew pretty quickly and there's just been this overflow of prayer but it has been praying for the one intentionally that they may come to know jesus and this is eternal yeah. life he says in john that they may know him and whom he sent Amen. So you did some homework and some research, as I understand it, and uh, with some relationships that you have, mm -hmm. and you discovered it, which I, I think is fascinating, and I think it's very important for our podcast family to know this, that for any public university, mm -hmm. legally, uh, they have to give you the names or yeah. uh, of every registered student, enrolled student. And so, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm sitting here saying to myself, uh, there's how many public school students you think you, I think you gave me a number at uh, some yeah. point. I think so. Yes. Talk to the university of Virginia's general counsel. He used to work at UK, both, um, both university of Virginia general counsel and the university of Kentucky general counsel, wonderful believers and brothers in the Lord. Amen. Um, they, I was talking to uh, Mr. Cliff, which is the UVA general counsel. And he said, public universities, yes, it's public domain information. Okay. And the precedent cool. that happened yeah. at UK yeah. has allowed it to happen at every single university in America that's public. So that's around 13.8 million students can be wow. prayed for by name and faculty and staff. And I know of a few campuses, not many, where they are actually embarking upon that very thing and so I can't help but sit here and listen to you, Brady, and just think, what if, what if every student every year were being seriously cried out to the Lord on their behalf? And the power of that prayer that changed your life is the power that could change millions of students' lives. Yes. So in wrapping this up a little bit here, just what do you see? What do you sense? I know you tracked heavily with Asbury. 
I know mm -hmm. you and the chaplain, I think you shared with me, are, are really good friends or whoever there on the campus. And so you were there and parts of it in and out, I suppose, and I was. And uh, something seemed to turn the page of hunger, hope, maybe, faith of what God could do, uh, at least from where I sit. And we see that happening as you and I talked on Baylor in a remarkable way, yes. uh, but not just Baylor. So I know you got a pulse of some campuses and some peers of yours. So talk to us a little bit about what's on your heart. What do you see? And what are you praying and dreaming for in these unusual moments, perhaps? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, that verse that the Lord convicted me with, uh, Psalm 85, 6, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I just sense there's a genuine, not institutional Christianity or program-driven um, lifestyles, but genuine rejoicing in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords among the young it's very obvious that i was hungering and thirsting um, and i was settling for broken cisterns in uh in my freshman year and then even all the years before that and i never settled um, and realized that there is something better which is living water and that's clear for my generation wow. so i would love to see yes every single person prayed for by name as my mom prayed for me for 20 years and my uncle prayed for me even before i was born I think he's at 33 years of praying for me intentionally every day, if not several times a week. Um, so I would love to see alumni, college students that know the Lord and everybody else. Um, yes, just join in God to enjoy him, but to see other people that don't know him to enjoy him for all time. Wow. And this isn't rehearsed, so I'm, I'm just going to catch you off guard maybe. But uh, what does Gen Z not want? today. Um, you alluded yeah. to a little bit institutional, but just talk to us a little bit. You're you're there in the midst of them. And mm -hmm. uh, what is it that uh, really, it's a barrier to them, you feel like, in, uh, in Christianity? Yes. Um, programs are fine and institution, like institutions are good, but I feel like millennials um, craved it. Gen Z's craving it, just authenticity. How can we look at the book of Acts? And yes, there were uh, many flaws, obviously, but how can we look for authenticity and genuine love and mean it and life in the church? Yeah. Well, I want, I want to reverse the tables a little bit. You pray for my generation. You pray for the older generations here in closing that uh, we would uh, grasp that and whatever else God has for us. And I, I know for me, and Brady, I think I mentioned that, I am just so eager to learn. In fact, I wrote a blog or something recently. I called it the great reversal. And mm -hmm. what I meant by that is there's a reversal taking place. The older generation is learning from the younger generation, mm -hmm. where before I think it was exclusively the younger generation expected to learn from the older generation. I think that's a spectacular reversal, not that they aren't both necessary, uh, but I'm so glad that I'm seeing increasingly in my generation that they are not despising the youth, but mm. they are really getting insight and being and, and becoming aware of our own need in, in working with your generation. So why don't you pray for us and all those and just thank you so much, Brady, for um, 
just sharing with us authentically where God found you, where he has you. And uh, I know I'm for one that wants to keep this relationship going and uh, praying for you on a regular basis. So yeah, close our time. Would you please in prayer? Yes. Father, thank you that this is the day that you have made and we can rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you for the generations that have gone before and the great cloud of witnesses, but also those who we can look to. Mm. Lord, thank you. I just even thank you, Lord, for the generations that Rehobim, Solomon's son, despised and didn't listen to. Yeah. And I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for this co like cooperative spirit that's so you, that you've moved generationally mm. yes, through Lord. different generations, different genders, different gifts, different cultures then lord i just pray for an inner working of your spirit to listen and be humbled by just you thank you that there is no junior holy spirit and you move in all people thank you lord for yes lord the 80 year olds lord thank you for 50 and 40 year olds lord thank you for the generations outside gen z and lord i just pray lord for a deep hunger and thirsting that they get to be caleb's at 85 saying, I want to conquer the mountain giants. Lord, give them a spirit of vigor and Lord, let them hate wickedness and love righteousness and anoint mm. them with the oil of gladness beyond their companions. Mm. And I just pray this in Jesus mighty name. Mm. Amen. Amen. And thank you one cry family for, uh, yeah, just tuning in once again, listening in once again. And, and I, again, I just pray God will give you some Brady's in your life. Mm. and that you can interact with, and together we can unite as one, John 17, in fulfilling the heart of Jesus and seeing a great awakening that comes from how blessed and good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity because mm -hmm. God commands his blessing, and I believe the blessing of his presence in our generation. So God bless you. Thank you.